one. And we're rolling. What's up, y'all? What's going on, everybody? It's been a been a little bit, been a while, a couple of weeks. Uh, but welcome back to Combat Club with Brothers Fox. Uh, I'm Izzy. He's Charlie, and uh, we're gonna get in some fight stuff. But first off, we want to address our little absence for the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, Charlie, why don't you get into that? Why we haven't haven't been around? Yeah, you know, with this Omicron variant going around, me and my family all, all had a wedding in New York. Congratulations to Mikey and Allie, my cousin, finally getting married. Um, yep. and, Beautiful ceremony. Mm-hmm, and it kind of went south with, you know, 85% of, you know, the family that I had there getting COVID. Thank God our grandmothers stayed safe, didn't get it. But um, me and my brother both came down with the, the itis. We did. We got the itis. He lost his voice pretty badly, and we didn't really want to record until, you know, we knew we could talk, sound good for an hour or so or two hours. Yeah. So that's practically the gist of what's going on, man. For sure. Yeah, you know, I, I really wanted to record. We have a lot of good things to talk about this week. Uh, but, yeah, I didn't want to sound like a 75-year-old chain smoker. My voice still is not 100% in some places, so you guys are going to have to bear with me. But, uh, yeah, I'm really excited that we can uh, get back into this podcast. We had some momentum building, and we're going to continue to go on with that. So, uh, you know, without further ado, we're going to jump into, uh, you know, uh, our little story time. And we can, I can ask you, what, what was your favorite combat sports match of your career? Um, you know, I definitely wrestled a lot of matches that I enjoyed. Uh, one that I look back on and kind of just laugh about the most is a match. I had my junior high school as a quad with Wakanda Elgin and Gary Comer. And I wrestled uh, this, this kid. I didn't know who he was at the time. He ended up being a match away from placing at state. But, um, you know, after the first period, I think I was up like 6-0, but I just – thrown up like twice already during the match but uh I ended up pulling it out I had a really cool throw one of the best you know best moments of my career and ended up pinning the guy uh late in the third period he kind of just broke and folded I ended up sticking him with the power half or kind of like a half at the end of the period so that was definitely one of my favorite moments everybody still made fun of me for it I mean after throwing up like three times during the match and beating a kid who almost plays to say yeah i mean we all we both had those moments i used to throw up a lot uh, in my early career i threw up even uh getting like into the state semis i threw up in that match uh but you know uh, i think my favorite career match uh, going back to high school my sophomore year high school at regional finals against a kid named dino gutierrez uh really cool situation where you know i was cutting a lot of weight kind of like dealing with a bunch of stuff and uh dino was really good he had uh qualified for state two years prior, been injured the year before, but you know, really solid wrestler, been in there with the top guys in the state. I ended up pulling out a really nasty roll through cradle, pinned him in the second period after I had been losing the whole match. Uh, so that was, yeah, definitely a really cool moment. Jim went nuts. Charlie went nuts. Family went nuts. Mm-hmm. Everyone really loved to see that moment. So that was really cool. Sure. Yeah. All right. Enough about us. Uh, talk too much. Uh, we're going to recap the card that now feels like it was hundred years ago. Yeah, ages ago. <laughs> yeah. But it was the last UFC card. We never really got into it. So uh, we can start with Charlie gloating to me about how bad my pick of Chris Dawkins was. <laughs> I mean, I kind of saw this coming, obviously. Anytime you get Derek Lewis matched up against one of the guys who isn't, you know, the elite few in the division, even sometimes the elite few in the division, you got to pick him by knockout. And yeah. he got it done, man. 
So that's that's why, like, we're, we're jumping around a little bit already, but that's why I just like, I hate this Tuivasa fight. Um, I hate it. I just hate it. Like, that confirmed? Yeah, confirmed for UFC 271. Uh, Derek Lewis versus Ty Tuivasa in Houston. Uh, in Houston. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Derek Lewis in Houston, but I don't really care. I love watching Ty, and I really, I think he should have taken another fight. This is a terrible style matchup for him. But, I agree. Uh, yeah, Derek now becomes uh, the best knockout artist in the history of the sport. Uh, most knockouts in UFC history, passing Vitor Belfort. Um, yeah, and what else can you say, man? The guy is truly a character. Uh, no one else like him. Uh, gives, a, gives a better post-fight interview than any man in the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, hands a stone. Yeah. Truly proven he's got the touch of death. And one thing that I noticed from him in this fight that, you know, if you really want to pick out, like, the style of Derek Lewis, which is not, you know, Derek Lewis is known to be a guy who throws the hands, right? Throws them hard, throws them fast, and hopes the one lands. But what I saw in this fight that he did really, really well was his patience and his angles. He's yeah. pressing forward, slowly yeah. plotting until Chris backed himself into a corner, tried to cut one way, and found himself against the cage. And that's when Derek explodes. So there's methods to his madness for sure. He's truly evolving in this game. He's been around a long time, and he's truly coming into his own. Uh, be interesting. I mean, I don't think this tie fight is going to be that interesting at all. But I would have liked to see him get the Steve Bay fight. I think that would have been really interesting. But I agree completely. Yeah. And now I get to talk shit to you about Bilal. <laughs> uh, and then even though, you know, you're a Bilal fan, I'm a Bilal fan. Uh, yeah, this fight was not close at all. What are your initial thoughts on it? Uh, I'm very excited for Bilal. It's the biggest win of his career for sure by a mile. And, um, you know, used to be training at the same gym as us. Uh, we know some mutual friends, some of his coaches. I'm very excited to see what he can do in the future, you know. There's not a lot of guys in that division that haven't fought Usman yet. Yeah. So I'm thinking he's one win away, you know. Yeah. I'd like, I'd like to see him get that uh, rematch with Luke or, uh, you know, I mean, I, it seems like they're going in the direction of uh, Gilbert Burns versus Hamza Chemaev. I think that's that's what they're going to do there. But, yeah, I'd, li- I'd like to see him get that rematch with Luke or uh, yeah, fight someone on that. Maybe Colby. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that's kind of what I have noted. Also, like anybody in the top five or Hamza is definitely. Yeah. Who's next. Sean Brady would be a really good matchup for him. Sean Brady's a, not one he wants to take though. Probably. Yeah. Like, Sean Brady's kind of enough. Like prospects, low ranked, lower ranked opponents to be able to. Well, Sean Brady's ranked fifth, but I feel like him and Sean Brady are kind of in like the same place. You know, and I don't think they should fight. I think they should separate because him and Sean Brady have kind of paid their dues and I think deserve, you know, I think one of them should get Luke A and one of them should get uh, uh, Colby. Speaking but, of Sean Brady, I don't know if we're going to cover this later. <laughs> yeah, we should talk about it. Uh, we'll talk about it later in the car when we get to the combat okay. sports. Sure. Uh, all right. Now we're what about this- Ricky Simone, though? That was oh, yeah, one. Ricky Simone yeah. looked awesome. I, I, you know, I, I'm hesitant to even bring it up just because, like uh, – you know, I used to be such a big, like, a Sun Tzu guy. I like the Sun Tzu a lot. Now it's kind of like, I don't know if he's really got even any legs anymore. Mm-hmm. He jumps into the rankings with that win, though. And, yeah. No, he's uh, he's being used kind of as a promotional vehicle uh, for these guys who are up and coming. Uh, yeah, and I, went, I, I like the Simone and Sean O'Malley matchup. I think that'll be a good fight, maybe. Uh, but, um, yeah, maybe. What? There's no way. Sean's going to get somebody big next. Who do you think? Who do you think he'll get? Do you think a Cheeto rematch? He's looking at bigger things than that. I mean, I would have to pull up the rankings and see, but you know, this is the biggest 
like one of the biggest stars we have in the UFC now. It's like the only. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm thinking they do. Like, I would have said Dominic Cruz, but I like Cheeto Vera fighting Dominic Cruz a little bit more. I think it makes a little more sense. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's a very interesting. It's a good problem to have. I think. Good problem to have. A lot, lot of talent in the division. People are talking about Adrian Yanez too. Somehow not in the rankings either, but he's on a great run. Uh, yeah. So really, like you know, Sean is in no rush, right? You know, he wants to be paid to fight five round fights. So, and you know, yeah, as far as uh, can't say I disagree, right? His history goes, he's been very picky about who he wants to fight. For and sure, he's done a very good job with it. You know, he's definitely he's using he's he's promoting himself perfectly, in the exact same way Connor did. I mean, Connor. You know, he took his time. He fought Diego Brandau. He fought Max Holloway. Max Holloway wasn't really anyone too special, but a name, you know, um, before he, you know, fought the Dustin Poirier and even Dennis Seaver. Dennis Seaver was tough, even though he got screwed with that matchup. Uh, Dennis Seaver's a tough guy. And, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. We can get to this coming weekend now. Uh, UFC Vegas is going to be Giga Chikadze versus Calvin Cater. Giga is one of my uh, fav- favorite stories from last year. I really enjoyed watching him scrap. Uh and we're going to get into some of these picks from the uh, just the main card, not a particularly uh, stacked card from top to bottom. So we just kind of uh, took the main card. And we're going to make some picks. You can start with uh, the featherweight matchup, the curtain jerker, uh, Bill Algio versus Joe Anderson Brito. So Joe Anderson Brito um, is a guy who comes from the contender series, and he is currently on an 11 fight win streak. And pretty dynamic yep. fighter. I'm, I'm looking for him to win by unanimous decision. Yeah, I, I picked the same thing. Uh, I like Joe Anderson's fight on the contender series. It was actually a really interesting fight before he was awarded the win via technical decision when there was an accidental eye poke. Uh, but yeah, you know, Bill Algeo has actually been in the promotion for a little bit, taking his lumps here and there. Uh, I think this is actually the perfect fight for Joe Anderson to get, get his uh, run in the UFC started and taking him by a unanimous decision as well. Next, moving on, we got the the Chase Sherman versus Jake Collier fight, right? But heavyweight, yeah. And uh, what are you thinking about that one? You know, this is a I hate, I hate to be mean. <laughs> this fight is not one that intrigues me very much. Looking at both of these guys' resumes and both of these guys' fighting styles, <laughs> um, I see this as being a pretty big bust. And I actually have this one as a draw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, I struggle with it, too. We've both seen – both of these guys have uh, taken losses to Andre Arlovsky. Who's, and just, yeah. <laughs> uh, just had a really bad run of it recently. Uh, I picked Collier to win by decision with the footnote of maybe Sherman knocks him out because uh, Sherman's, like, fought in bare knuckle and, you know, had some success there. But, you know, yeah, pretty much a snooze fest in my opinion. But, uh, yep. All right. Now we get into like a couple of really interesting fights going up to flyweight. Brandon Roy versus Rogerio Bontarine. Uh Very, very interesting contest. What do you have here? Yeah. Um, both of these fighters are obviously great in their own right. Uh, you know, two good fighters of that division. I love Brandon Roy style and his, you know, high pace grappling. And I think he can get it done by submission. Yeah. Um, I, I agreed with you for a little bit until, uh, you know, Rogerio's obviously got some submission acumen himself. I don't know if he's really going to get submitted by Brandon. Uh, Brandon's got some really dynamic hands, too. We saw it in the Kaikara fight. Uh, I'm picking him to win by uh, KOTKO in round two. Um, I'm thinking that uh, the pressure and the pace of Roy Vall is going to be what's, what gets it done here. Uh, we saw Roy Vall beat Kaikara, uh, you know, stun him several times. And uh, that's Rogerio's last loss was the Kaikara by knockout. 
So that's what I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking uh, second round, we see Hogeria start to slow down a little bit, and Pogong uh, has a stoppage via KOTK. Fair enough. Next, we got a woman's flyway bout. Um, Possibly like a uh, title eliminator at this yeah, point. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I know these two fighters are not like the biggest draws or whatever, you know, as sometimes it's harder for the woman to pull pay-per-view points or whatnot. But these are two of the top fighters in the division, Caitlin Chikagian sure. versus Jennifer Maya. And I think uh, Chikagian can get it done. You know, she's really only lost to the very elite competition in that division. And I just think she's going to, you know, outsmart her, outstrategy her, unanimous decision win for Caitlin Chikagian. Yeah, I went the other way on this one, actually. I picked Jennifer Maya by submission. Uh, she's, you know, really shown a lot of submission acumen in the cage. Um, and I really think, you know, this, this division is in – such dire need of new people, uh, new, new step ups. She just fought the champ. Uh, I believe that might be her only loss in her run, although don't quote me on that. Uh, and Jennifer Maya was actually able to steal around from the champ due to her grappling. Uh, Chikagian got you know obliterated by the champ. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm very interested to see this fight. I think it's a very very close fight. I think it's actually likely that it goes the distance. But if you pick Maya to win, you I think you got to pick her by sub. So I'm going with Maya via submission. Okay. All right. The big one, the fun one. It's going to be a really, really fun fight here uh, between Calvin Cater and Giga Chikadze. Uh, Calvin Cater, obviously, hopefully recovered from that uh, horrible, horrible beating he took from Max Holloway roughly a year ago to open 21. Uh, and Giga has all the hype in the world right now after his knockout of Edson Barboza. Uh, huge implications at featherweight, uh, with, especially with you know the title falling out, as we're talking about later. Uh, who are you picking in this contest? This one was a really close one for me. Um, I loved what Calvin Cater did, even in that fight against Max Holloway. He showed unbelievable toughness and, you know, willing to step into the fire. But I think Giga just has a little bit more of that power advantage maybe than Max did, and he's one of the best kickboxers we've seen in the game in a long time. I'm taking Giga Chikaze by TKO. Yeah, I'm taking Giga by KO as well. It's KO-TKO, uh, probably around the third or fourth round. Uh, after what we saw Max take Max give Cater in that fight, it's really, really hard for me to pick, you know, a KO in this contest. But to be honest, uh, I, I don't think you're really ever the same after taking a beating like that. I mean, it was really, really, really bad. Uh, I hope that Cater's long-term health is not going to be affected by that. I'm really even surprised to see him back there as quickly as a year. I would have liked to see him maybe take some more time, do some, you know, brain studies, make sure that he's ready to go. Uh, but, you know, I guess if his team and his you know coaches want him to go and he thinks he's ready, he's ready. But, yeah, man, a tough spot for Cater with another precision sniper like Chikaze. Uh, Giga by KO, TKO going in the third or, four, third or fourth round is what I'm thinking. Absolutely. Yeah. Great card, though. I'm, I'm very excited to watch it. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of potential. Like, there's one of those cards that can fly under the radar. I'm worried about that Collier versus Sherman fight, though. It's really going to take the card down. Well, these guys are, have been really, really slow to watch in the past. Absolutely. Not yeah. That's what I <laughs> Might have to do when I get up and take my snack break. And then, yeah, <laughs> go to the bathroom yeah. a couple times. Yeah, not trying to be mean. Both those guys are obviously kicked my ass, but, you know. All right. Uh, we're going to get into some MMA news of the last couple of weeks. Normally we do news of the week, but we haven't been around for a little bit. So uh, we're just going to get into the news and uh, as we see it. And we had touched on this earlier, actually, the uh, Hamzat and Burns verbal agreement uh, to fight in April. Nothing is signed and done yet, but, uh, you know, I mean, the way with this sport goes, you kind of think that that's kind of a fight that should happen, especially because where the hell is Leon Edwards? But, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on the potential for this matchup? 
Um, I love the matchup personally. I think it's the most compelling one for Hamza at the time with the grappling prowess that Gilbert Burns has and the striking, obviously. I think, you know, this is something that's going to show if he's truly ready to take that step to Kamara Usman. But with that being yeah. said, with the history of, you know, Hamza and all the, you know, people want to, not wanting to fight him and the pulling out of fights, I don't really buy that, you know, anything until it's written down and signed. So I can very sure. much see, you know, this falling out and something else having to happen with the fighters. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've been talking about seeing this fight since Hamza's last win. Uh, you know, it sucks because your welterweight's in a tough spot because, you know, that Gilbert versus Luke fight makes all the sense in the world, but they're best buddies and they don't want to fight. So all of a sudden, they're both kind of stuck. Uh, I know uh, Nate Diaz was offered the Luke fight, uh, didn't want it. Um, but it's, you know, choosing to stick it out because, you know, well, for something we're going to talk about earlier, we'll talk about it a little later, but, uh, yeah, you know, I really hope this fight happens. I think it's the right fight to make. I think it, with Burns wins, he'll probably be deserving of a rematch with Kamaru Usman, given that, you know, the UFC can sell that Burns hurt him. The only man who really ever hurt him. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, what we saw with Burns against Wonderboy, even though it wasn't quite as dominant as uh, Bilal was, you know, it was a dominant showing. It's a really crafty event in Wonderboy. For sure. All right, now we're going to move on to a topic that is just, like, so annoying to me. Oh I'm just like, like, Francis Ngannou uh, said he won't re-sign with the UFC unless there's boxing, that he's allowed to go box, which, one, is just not going to happen ever. And true, I, I think he's just blowing smoke. Like, I don't think that would ever happen. But uh, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, to me, it's just, like, annoying, foolish, uh, showing lack of, like, knowledge of how the business works. Dana, yeah. you know, first of all, like, Prenz Ngannou is an asset to the UFC, obviously, but Dana's not going to get pushed around by anybody, you know? Yeah. He's the boss. He doesn't, he doesn't care. Like, if you are not willing to do what he wants you to do, like, he's not going to push things around. Yeah, literally, see it. Yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, Francis has so much to potential to be this huge pay-per-view star anyways. Like, why do you need to be boxing? Yeah, you shouldn't You shouldn't talk about boxing until you have a couple, like, get a couple defenses and start building that thing up. It seems like him and Tyson are already talking about it. So just keep building that over the next couple of years. And then maybe you put yourself in a situation where it could happen when you retire or, you know, like in the last couple of fights of your career when Dana's already making money off you and a little bit more, like, you know, ready to do this. But like right now, you Dana doesn't like you very much. It doesn't seem like, like you guys have a pretty contentious relationship. So I'd really, really like to see Francis just kind of focus on the fight because he's got a really hard fight out of him. A really Absolutely. hard fight. Yeah. And a fight that I'm just crazy looking forward to. But Absolutely. anyway, enough of that. After that, I mean, if you win that John, the potential that John Jones fight, yeah, that, I that John that Jones be, fight could, could be yeah, the biggest fight in UFC. Biggest pay per view event. And I mean, put a, put Conor McGregor on that card, put Sean O'Malley on the card, and you got the biggest pay per view in the history of the UFC. You know, I mean, you, I think you could almost do it alone. Uh, we've only seen the two million buy barrier broken by uh, Khabib and Conor with 2.2. Uh, I mean, John Jones and Francis, that's that's a marketing machine that they could sell if you put Conor on that card too. But, like, that's the thing. I feel like Connor has to be a main event. Yeah, yeah, that's do. That is the thing. Yeah. But, you know, I'm going to touch up on this later, but we'll get – actually, we'll get to it, into it later. Yeah, all right. Uh, now we're going to fight that we were actually talking about on our last show. Uh, Oscar, Oscar offers Kai Car Francis official. Um, you were hoping that they would uh, let Oscar off sit and wait for a title shot. 
Yukai Carr to Pantoja, looking like they're going the way that I thought they would, where they're letting Pantoja wait for the title shot. I thought this because they initially offered Pantoja the title shot, but he had a blonde knee. So it seems like he's just sitting and waiting uh, for the winner of that fight uh, next month between Moreno and Figueredo. Uh, and then Oscarov versus Kaikara is a good number one contenders fight in a division that's really, really starting to get some steam and some gusto. So uh, what, what do you think of this fight announcement? You know, I, I love the trajectory that Kai is on. And, you know, Oscar is obviously, you know, crazy, you know, crazy win streak right now. Uh, one of the best fighters in the division. And I'm just looking forward to seeing, you know, a great scrap between those two. I think that you know, Kai's has maybe the more compelling style and the style that can draw more attention with like the flashy knockouts and the power. But yeah, I'm just looking forward to that fight in general. I think it's great for the division. You know, we're really yeah. seeing the division get revamped and like for sure. we had that era of Cody and TJ, but since then it's kind of been like, you know, I mean, Davidson Figueredo wasn't like a really huge star or whatever, but we got those great fights between him and Moreno, but I'm really looking forward to seeing the future of this division. Yeah, this this fight is really pivotal for the division. Um, uh, what really messed it up is if Oskarov misses weight. I really hope he's able to get that under control this camp because he blew weight for the Benavides fight in a fight that, if he made weight, would have likely guaranteed him a title shot. Um, yeah, I really hope he gets that under control because this fight is hugely important for the sport and for that division. All right, now we can go for the uh, the rumors that Dustin Poirier actually spoke out about about the uh, Poirier-Diaz fight. Uh, and apparently this is all being used as a ploy for Diaz to extend his contract for a couple more fights. So he can't go fight Jake Paul. Uh, what do you make? What do you make of this? Cause this is just like, we're living in such a crazy world with this sport right now. It's so ridiculous. You, people say it's a ploy, but to me, I think the fight makes a lot of sense in a lot of ways with, you know, Poye, it'll take him a long time. He's take him a long time to work his way back to that title shot. You got, you know, other guys in the division that are young and fresh and people want to see fight the top guys in the division. And you got Nate Diaz who, you know, same thing. He's not, he's not looking for a title shot anytime too. And they're both big names that everybody, that everybody knows and they can draw a lot of pay-per-views and it's an easy fight for Poye. If you ask me, Dustin Poye, that would be the fight I was looking for too. And, you know, Nate doesn't really – I don't think he cares who he's fighting. You know, he doesn't care about the, the wins or the losses or whatever. He just wants nah, – Nate's playing this – yeah, Nate's playing this really smart, in my opinion, because the UFC will only sign this fight if Diaz extends, and he already had his contract extended six months when he turned on the Luque fight. I think he's waiting waiting out Connor. I think he wants that Connor's trilogy fight really, really bad because that, that'll do really, really big money for him. And, uh, yeah, I mean – uh, it's it's an interesting back and forth. I don't think I, I think we will see Diaz and Jake Paul this year uh, after Diaz fights out his contract, depending on how things work out. But yeah, you know it's uh it's very interesting. It's very interesting to see the the uh, the business behind this sport. Now we're talking about you know Francis and Cyril. We already addressed Francis's side. Talking about Cyril's coach releasing all this video and whatever, but uh, the UFC is just using this as a promotion their machine is going crazy um how do you think this this will do like because francis and cyril really haven't like done much speaking about it i feel like they haven't done any self-promotion but this is arguably like the biggest heavyweight title fight in ufc history i mean Uh, what do you think about this fight anybody that knows the first thing about the ufc and has followed either of these guys journeys 
this is a fight that everybody wants to see. I mean, it's unbelievable matchup between two friends, which we have seen like a lot of promotion, a lot of good promotion done with things like that in the past, like Usman and Burns. And this is just anything where Francis and Ganu fighting nowadays, you know, he's one of the biggest draws in the UFC. The guys like people compare him to Mike Tyson, you know? And yeah. I think the yeah. fight should do great, regardless of the promotion. Anybody so question, do you think do you think it cracks a million buys? Absolutely. Close? Absolutely. You think it does? You think it does, really? I think it's gonna be really close. Um I don't know. It usually takes a really special UFC pay-per-view to crack a million buys, but I'll be interested to see if it does. Uh, two sixty-nine, just are you barely with other fights on the card. Uh, I'm not sh- exactly sure. Marino Figueredo, oh, really so. good fight on the card. Yeah. yeah, it should. I mean, it's, it's a it's a fan's dream. Like it's a really great card for the fans. Um, but yeah, I, I you know uh, what I'm hearing now is that Poe versus Oliveira was just there, maybe a just short. But uh, yeah, it's you know it'll be interesting. I think we're gonna see a lot more cards do that in the coming years, break that million buy barrier. Uh, just because like the only really bad card, in my opinion, they put on last year was UFC 265 in Houston, where Derek uh, Derek Lewis kind of you know shit the bed a little bit. I think that uh, every single other card they had was just stellar. Like they haven't didn't really have any bad cards in 2021. So besides that one, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do uh, in terms of promotion this year. All right. Now we're coming to this uh, is this fight announcement that uh, you know has been coming for a while, and we're all uh, we're all thinking about it. Uh, Aljamain Sterling versus Piotr Jan uh, going to be in February. What are you thinking about this fight? You know, we have wrote down here like, does Aljo have a chance? Um, I would say, yeah, Aljo has a chance. The dude, he kind of came in with an interesting game plan the first fight, trying to overwhelm. Perian in the early rounds, maybe get him tired. But Perian's such an efficient fighter, you know. He doesn't waste any energy with anything. So I think that was kind of uh, the wrong game plan. And I think if Aljo can utilize his grappling, then he does for sure stand a chance. Not saying that I would pick him in that fight, but, you know, he's a great fighter. So I think he absolutely has a chance. Yeah, I think it's a chance. I mean, you know, I, I think we're seeing a generational ta- talent in Piotr Jan, uh, unlike anyone we've really seen in that division. Um, it's a chance, but it's going to be a small one. I think he's got to treat it the same way he treated Sandhagen. Uh, get the sub while they're dry. And uh, Piotr's actually a slow starter, characteristically. He likes to analyze it, actually take the first round off, kind of. So I think that that's where he'll do his best work. He's got to lay uh, lay the groundwork to get that sub. All right, now we're going to talk about our old pal, Jake. Jake Paul mm-hmm. is uh, apparently in deep talks with the PFL about a, uh, an MMA fight. <laughs> Charlie hates it. Uh, they said that he would not take place in the middleweight tournament. Uh, he would be treated as uh, Clarissa Shield, the sort of like a sideshow attraction uh, where they bring up uh, fighters similar, like a 1-0 record, 1-1 type record to uh, get the chance to fight Jake Paul. What do you think about this? Let me be the first one to tell you that this will never happen. <laughs> Jake Paul is not stupid. He will not. He has... What, what he's got going right now is great. And I there's no reason. For, I think he'd be ruining his entire career by, first of all, the PFL. Who gives half <laughs> of flying donkey shit about well, the PFL like, actually gives a crap about themselves because they have to resign with uh, ESPN this year. This is their uh, new TV deal. Yeah, so they would just be so really cool with Jake Paul to do this. And I don't think he's somebody who is a foolish marketer. 
you know, nobody like if you're going to do an MMA fight, it has to be it, with a name like Jake Paul. You have to be looking at the UFC, or else you're not going to draw the same amount of numbers. And he's got great stuff going with boxing. You know, he was named like the boxing breakout athlete of the year by ESPN. <laughs> and I think he should just continue on the trajectory that he's at. You know, maybe if he can um, beat a couple more of these MMA guys or whatever, he can actually like jump into a real boxing career as like an actual professional boxer. Instead of yeah. whatever he is now, I don't even he's know. talking about fighting uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I think that'd be interesting. I'd actually more so like to see him against Anderson Silva. Like, please, please, can we see that fight? Um, you don't like that? I don't know. I think it's a good fight. I don't think Anderson would just like take him out so easily. Like, I don't think he would either, but I think he would win. It'd be a good one for sure. I mean, I mean Anderson Silva like. like that I put some respect on Jake for that knockout was nasty, definitely. I mean, but Anderson Silva's one of the, one of the best ever, you know? Yeah. And not getting any younger. If that fight's going to happen, it's going to happen this year. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Pat Downey to Bellator. I really don't even want to spend too much time on that. Um, Pat Downey has, like, been a letdown to the wrestling community recently, like, not really showing up to shit. So uh, he signed with Bellator to start his MMA career. He's already been kicked out of two MMA gyms in Florida. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Another wrestler entering MMA. Now, that's good. always good news for the sport. Uh, we're continuing to see it grow through the emergence of these wrestlers. Uh, you know, and yeah. You know, I think with, even with Pat Downey, you know, definitely having his uh, mental health problems or whatever, like with getting kicked out of the gyms, he was a big draw in the sport of wrestling at the time when he did compete. You know, not a lot of people uh, got – you know, as much publicity as he did with all of his media stuff. So I think, you know, he could make a pretty good name for himself in the MMA world if he can put it all together with the striking. I'm excited. Show up to his fights. Yeah. Yeah, show up to his fights. Um, yeah. Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos versus Rafael Fazeev, the battle of the Hafos, as Rafael Fazeev was talking about. Uh, it was a great fight. I'm excited to see this fight. Uh, what do you make of it? Yeah, I believe we talked about that one uh on the podcast after after Fazeev. Yeah, that was one of the fights um, we yeah. named for uh, Fazeev. You know, I'm really looking forward to it. I think Rafael Fazeev can shoot himself up to, like, you know, in the title picture if he gets that win. And I think, you know, uh, he's in a very exciting, dynamic fighter that a lot of people are going to really like one day because, you know, all the media antics, too. He's got that good broken English, funny. Yeah. Calling out Vaughn, yeah. so, yeah, I'm really excited to see if he can win and um, what he has in the future because this guy could be a big star one day, I believe. Yeah, no, I think so. Um, it's kind of a make or break fight party, I think. I think he needs to, this fight to prove he's still relevant. Last win over Paul Felder, he's now retired. Um, and it's interesting to see RDA back at 55 after the steroids. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I think it's interesting. And then our, our last little piece of news is uh, Oliveira kind of teasing that he's going to move up and down. I know you hate it. You hate it because he's got so many challenges in front of him. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I want to see some. We didn't really get to see any of those uh, double champ fights as well. We saw Izzy at the beginning of the year uh, in the men's divisions. And I'd like to see it. I, I'd like to see, uh, you know, I, I, I if uh, Bobby Knuckles is able to beat Izzy, I'd like to see Usman move up. Uh, if, you know, yeah, and I think that Oliveira versus Usman is somewhat intriguing. I don't know. I mean, there's a clear something Oliveira has to do before. Yeah, he, he has to win. He has to win. Has to Islam, you know? Yeah, he has to win two more fights for sure. 
He has to beat KG and he's going to have to beat as well. I mean, I guess I don't know how exactly this works with the fighters and with Dana. If he can just, if he's like, I'm going to move up, is he just allowed to, like, I mean, well, he wouldn't guarantee, he wouldn't get a guarantee that he would fight for the title, but they probably would. That's the effective marketing there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so, I, you know, I think it's stupid for him to be considering. Even, I mean, yeah, I don't even know why you talk about it yet. Just yeah. chill. You've got Islam Makhachev, who is, you know, the people are talking about as the next Khabib. And Justin Gagey, whose hands are just ridiculous. He's tearing down your division right now. Yeah. You got some big, some big things to do. Yeah. Before we can even discuss that. I agree. All right. Now, uh, a couple weeks late on this, but uh, we're going to jump into them anyway. It's our MMA of the, of the year awards. Uh, The bros awards. (laughs) Going off with Alani, the nose awards. Anyway. (laughs) uh, Yeah. We're going to get into it. We have a bunch of categories this year. I didn't count them all, but a crap ton. And uh, we're going to start with MMA promoter of the year for oh, you, sir. Going, we're going from promoter of the year? Are we going we'll to bottom up? Yep. Bottom up? Okay. Um, I got MMA promoter of the year, Dana White. There's nobody that has uh, done anything close to what he's done, bringing the sport, you know, from the, its beginnings all the way to where it is now. He's doesn't, you know, people hate on him like Jake Paul, that he doesn't pay his fighters well enough, but he does a great job, you know, and uh, something that he's really good at is not letting the fighters push him around. He knows what he wants more than the fight. Like he knows what's good for the, for the company more than the fighters. And I think, you know, he does a spectacular job regardless of what anybody wants to say about him. Yeah. um, I'm not going to debate you on that one. I do think Dana is the best MMA promoter. Uh, I think he's always going to be. Uh, and I think that, you know, he, he did the most for like the UFC had their best year. He, he, but you know, Dana's going to Dana, right? Like we expect what Dana's going to do. Um, and he's going to continue pouring gasoline on this fire that he has. But what I wanted to address is someone who's not getting brought up a lot in this category. Um, and they're normally like, we're talking about two people in the front row for this award. It's going to be Dana White. It's going to be Jake Paul. He self-promoted himself all year. He's going to go to the top. But what did, tell me what what how many pay-per-views did Jake Paul do in his last fight? I think he did 65k, right? Which was not like good in, at all. with the UFC, that would be like the worst pay-per-view card Absolutely. almost in like since like 2002. But in the Jake Paul versus Ben Askren fight, he did 1.36 million pay-per-view buys. And that was because of all the work Ben Askren did to promote that fight on a shitty thriller card that nobody wanted to watch. They, ben Askren made that fight interesting. He did all the media. He did all the self-promotion. And that's why I'm going with Ben Askren. Because even though it wasn't an MMA, he, he is an MMA. He's in the MMA space. And he took a dead horse that was a – Triller was going to go out of business if he didn't do that. Triller, they put Justin Bieber on that. They probably spent $10 million – to finance that card and Ben Asker made it work for him. He did 1.2, 1.36 million pay per view buys. That's a real number. Dana said it was bullshit. That's a real number. Damon Martin reported that number. Um, and yeah, uh, I think, uh, you know, Dana obviously is going to Dana. I think that, you know, he uh, is the owner and proprietor of the best marketing machine in mixed martial arts history. But I think we have to shine a spotlight on uh, Ben Askren for the work he did at the beginning of this year. Absolutely. Our next one, we got MMA Journalist of the Year. Again, I'm coming in with kind of the meta pick, the guy who, you know, is the most well-known, well-respected journalist in MMA, who actually did a big thing this year, though, uh, quit his job at ESPN, 
you know, he wasn't being treated the way he should. People were being mean. And he went and like a trailblazer did it on his own, you know, and he's just as successful, just as well known as he was before. Ariel Hawani, my pick, the best to ever do it, if you ask me. Definitely. No debate here. No hipster picks. Nothing crazy. I'm going with Ariel. Uh, until he retires, he'll be the best. Absolutely. No it's the only one right. he cares the most about it, for sure. Absolutely. It's, it's his lifeblood, and he truly brings professionalism to this to this strange game that we, yeah. we love. All right. Uh, debut of the year. Um, I actually don't have a pick for that one. Sorry. You can go ahead. Oh, you have a pick for your debut of the year? Oh, Too I, tough for you? <laughs> I think that was a last minute update. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's not like I talked to you on the phone about it 45 minutes ago or anything. But uh, my debut of the year was Chris Curtis over Phil Hawes. Uh, Chris Curtis in a crazy year going 6-0. It's like unheard of. Nobody's ever really done Absolutely. that. And then beating a guy like Phil Hawes, who was a surging up-and-comer, and then going on to be Brendan Allen. Uh, I think people are talking about uh, Chris Curtis more like even like the story of the year. Like, you know, coming from a guy who's a, a PFL kind of uh, like – middle tier fighter to now he's making a name for himself and is on the fringe of being ranked in the UFC middleweight division. Absolutely. Nice. All right. Uh, weird moment of the year, right? Yep. Um, go ahead. Give me your pick first. I want to see what you have to say. Uh, my weird moment of the year was Derek Lewis's cup throw into the audience in his uh, UFC on uh, ESPN 31 uh, main event win. Uh, and then my, my weird moment wasn't his cup throw because you expect him to do some shit like that. My weird moment was the fan who grabbed it and like put it in his jacket. Like, I got this. This is mine. Yeah, this is, I don't know. Kind of I guess I want a little bit more of a, from a fight standpoint here. I have yeah. Anthony Hernandez submitting Hidalfo Vieira. Really? That's your weird moment of the year? I mean, yeah, that's something nobody expected. Hidalfo Vieira was like a multiple time world champ in BJJ, right? And yeah, you got this strike, this boxer that comes in, and yes, he did put it together with the hands, but I don't, I don't even remember what the the odds were on that happening. But it had to be like, yeah, it was, uh, it was like sixty to one. Yeah, and that was one of the, you know one of the most absurd things that happened this year for sure. Definitely. All right, uh, our old guy award, a retired a fighter who uh, hung it up this year. Uh, we may have the same pick here actually, but I, I have two picks, but I have a feeling I know which one yours is. Yeah. Uh, I can go first, actually. So I have two picks, two great fighters that I enjoyed watching very much. One of them still broadcast for the UFC, which is who I feel I have a feeling you're talking about. Ginger guy, just like you, Paul Felder and Ronaldo Jacare Souza. So I actually had two picks as well. Uh, none of them coincided with yours, though. Uh, yeah, um, I went with, uh, you know, Carlos Condit, who I really enjoyed watching over these last couple of years. I think that you know, uh, you know, he really put GSP in deep water, something that we had never seen up to that point, besides his two losses. Uh, but modern era GSP with that head kick. And, you know, Connor's is always such a good dude. Like, you, you get the good vibes from him. Yeah. And Anderson Silva. Uh, you know, Anderson Silva retired from MMA and now making a name for himself in, in the boxing world. Uh, that was technically the end of uh, 20, I believe. But uh, still, you know, part of the energy of this year. And, uh, yeah, uh, going to miss Anderson, but Hopefully he gets that Jake Paul fight. That should be so great. If, if he if he gets a Jake Paul fight and knocks him out, I should be like, my heart will be so warm. I agree. I would love that so much. <laughs> yeah. Oh All right. Biggest letdown of the year. Um, I didn't really know how to take this one. You know, I was trying to find like fights that were hyped up really big that ended up flopping. But in the end, I just ended up saying uh, 
Jake Paul versus Ben Askren, Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley, and Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley too were the biggest letdowns of the year for me. You know, I just I did not want him to win. Like, yeah, <laughs> it pains my heart to see Tyron like get knocked out like that against a sure. Disney Channel YouTuber. And yeah, that was a real big letdown for me. Definitely. Um, and while that was my honorable mention, but definitely something I thought of bringing up. Uh, my biggest letdown of the year for sure was not seeing John Jones fight. Uh, I mean, John Jones is like one of my first favorite fighters in the UFC. Obviously, like, you know, he's a sociopath, so it's really, really hard to support him. But uh, I really enjoy watching his fighting style. Uh, you know, he was a young guy up and coming in the sport when I was first starting to watch it. Uh, really, really, oh, you know, standing at the top of MMA, bringing it forward. And uh, to go through all this stuff and not see him fight this year kind of sucked. But uh, hopefully we get to see him next year. Absolutely. All right, come back for a performance of the year. What's your pick? I got a fight that um that was an absolute barn burner. Uh, at the beginning, you know, this guy, the Brazilian, hit him with a bunch of good stuff, good kicks, punches, knees, and he ended up kind of getting uh, weared out, as he has been seen to in the past, against one of my favorite fighters coming from the Sierra Longo gym. I got Marab Dashrali versus Marlon Moraes. Yes, that's a great fight. Uh, didn't even consider that one, but it's a great fight. Uh, great pick. Loved watching that fight. I, I do not know how Marab did get knocked out. I mean, he took so much abuse. Mm -hmm. Uh, my comeback performance of the year is Sergio Pettis over Kyoji Horiguchi. Uh, got absolutely dominated for three rounds. Wasn't even close. And then lands that crazy Hail Mary spinning mm -hmm. back fist off the kick to get the knockout. And, uh, yeah, I think that was, uh, the, in terms of implications, I uh, like that one. And we got um, comeback fighter of the year. I think maybe we have the same pick here. Probably. We got a guy who old, you know, a little bit weird out. People started to count him out after he lost a couple in a row in a weight class. I was looking like uh, new up and coming names were coming into it. And he worked his way all the way back up to the title this year. Glover to share a comeback. Absolutely. Warmed my heart. Uh, such a great moment to see Glover capture the title. Uh, I picked it. Charlie didn't. Just want to let everyone know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Glover just warms my heart to see that happen. Uh, yeah. Now we got breakout fighter of the year. For me, another guy at the same weight class uh, is one of the, the few guys who, you know, really looking forward to seeing fight for a title in the very near future. Uh, extremely dynamic style, kind of wild. Uh, Nobody else in the UFC fights anything like him. He's had a great year, a bunch of stoppages, a bunch of knockouts. He's made a good name for himself. Crazy hair, Yuri Provatska. Yeah, uh, I like Yuri. I think that's aptly for him. Um, but I'm going to go a different route, and it's one that uh, has been echoed by some. Uh, I'm going to go with Kamaru Usman for breakout fighter of the year. Uh, towards the end of last year, everyone kind of, you know, he had just come off of a, kind of a, a boring performance against Orient Masvidal the first time around, where everyone kind of deemed him as a lay and pray kind of guy, uh, to now having a firm hold on the number one pound for pound spot in the world, and is slowly becoming one of the, one, one of the most popular fighters in the world. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, in terms of his name and his marketability, he's truly broken out as huge improvements in his striking game. For Definitely. Sure. And, you know, seeing him go to Trevor Whitman and seeing how that all happened. I mean, it was just like every fight he's just getting better. And his power is just so crazy. 
It's just ridiculous. Anyway, all right, storyline of the year. Uh, I kind of have two different storylines here. My first one being um, Conor McGregor's fall from glory, really. Coming into this year, uh, everybody almost that I know was picking Conor McGregor to beat Poirier in that fight. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And um, he was still thought of as, you know, the biggest star in the UFC, one of the best fighters in the UFC. Everybody loved him so much. And we saw him drop a couple this year, which we hadn't really seen in the past other than the fight against Diaz. And, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's uh, unexpected, kind of sad. You know, this is the guy who made the sport what it is today, and we're really seeing him fall from that pedestal that was put on. And obviously my next story, my other storyline of the year, which is kind of one that everybody knows, is Jake Paul's rise to glory in the mixed martial arts world and the boxing world. But I think we've talked about that enough already. Yeah, I went with Jake Paul. Um, I like the Conor one too, but – I think Jake Paul's story is perforated through media, sports, and entertainment. Um, and, yeah, I don't think there's much that we haven't spoken about with regards mm-hmm. to that. All right. Uh, events of the year. We're going to be different on this one for sure. I mean, I think you you have mine picked out then probably. UFC 261 with uh, Kamara Usman knocking out Mazadal, Rose Namahunas knocking out Zhang Wei Li. We had that crazy leg break during that car. You also had Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, we had a card top to bottom, all stoppages, all extremely dynamic fights, three title fights. Can't do much better than that, if you ask me. So, uh, love that card and love UFC 268. I think these were kind of the two on everyone's radar. Uh, I did not pick either of these cards because uh, there was one card truly this year that me as kind of like an MMA purist truly showed the evolution of the sport and where we're at. It was a free card in Abu Dhabi, UFC 267. Uh, you know, you had like that fight between Corey Sanhagen and Piotr Jan, one of the most technically insane fights I've ever seen, like that has ever been really. And, uh, you know, you saw Glover, you saw Hamzat and Islam and just top to bottom, uh, that fight card truly showcased what the UFC was about in partnership with the government of Abu Dhabi, who, you know, graciously allowed the fight to be provided to the fans for free. Uh, yeah, really enjoyed, uh, everything that card offered. Uh, and I know that a lot, most people didn't pick it, but uh, it was definitely the card I was most excited for ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was right. an awesome card, especially that it was like one of the first uh, numbered events I was free in a very long time. Yeah, and it, it showed pure fighting in the UFC. Yeah. Like, I think, I think for MMA fans like us who love the sport uh, and not just the promotional vehicle that has become, I, I really think that there's not a better card. I think that it just showcased everything. Fair point. All right. All right, submission of the year. You're up. Uh, I got, you know, maybe this one wasn't like the most exciting submission or whatever, but was, like you said earlier, a truly heartwarming moment that uh, maybe not so many people saw coming. I have Glover, Glover to share a submission over Jan Blaschewitz. Yeah, so I actually have your weird moment of the year, my submission of the year. Okay. Uh, I was torn between this submission and uh, Andre Muniz submitting Jacare Souza with the armbar. Um, but Andre Muniz is an established black belt where Anthony Hernandez is like, just got his purple belt. Yeah. And he's like, really like, you know, not known for having jiu-jitsu and he guillotined Adolfo Vieira is one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners of all time. So, uh, Anthony Hernandez over Adolfo Vieira is my submission of the year. Okay. Next we got knockout of the year. One that you guys are probably all looking forward to. I would like Izzy to go first. I want to see what he has to say about this one. Uh, yeah. So I debated a couple, obviously a lot of media outlets picked Kamaru Usman over Jorge Masvidal. Uh, Pettis versus Horiguchi, great knockout. 
Um, yeah, I mean, Rose with the great head kick, almost like I was really picking that one for a long time. Uh, but, you know, I think a knockout that really kind of showed where our sport's at and uh, the type of fighters that we really have to look forward to uh, and just the dynamic power of Yuri Prohaska when he knocked out Dominic Reyes with that spinning elbow. I think it's just like truly, uh, you know, it showcases the evolution of the sport and just like what it, everything that we have to look forward to in 22. So I went with Yuri Prohaska over Dominic Reyes. Okay. I have a different one for sure. Uh, I definitely weighed in on, all the same ones that you did, the, those two coming from the same card, the Usman knockout and uh, the Rose knockout. I love Rose as a fighter, one of my favorites ever. But uh, this knockout that I chose to me is just one of like those ones that your jaws just dropped. You're like, how the hell did he do that? I had right. Corey Sanhagen's knockout of Frankie Edgar. With the yeah. I also want to throw a honorable mention to uh, – one that I really, really wanted to put on here, but I yeah, couldn't. I what you're gonna say. Yeah, Chris Barnett over John Vellante mm-hmm. with the spinning head kick, Huggy Bear into the front flip. Uh, I wanted to put it on here, but it just wasn't like big enough of a moment. Like, I feel like knockout of the year needs to have some like gum shit with it, you know? Like, needs to have some storyline attached. Uh, yeah, but man, Chris Barnett, just a national treasure. I <laughs> love that guy. <laughs> love that guy. Yeah. So he has such star power. And he has a win over Walt Harris, actually. So he should be an interesting contender in this division. Okay. All right. Moments of the year. I'm pre- we have to have the same one. There's no way we don't. I don't know. Juliana Pena with the upset of the decade. Uh, I guess Man Nunes is mine. And I really don't think there's any other moment that could really take the game. Uh, I have Conor McGregor breaking his leg against us. Uh, I fell asleep before that fight. I couldn't and, even. And calling over Joe Rogan to do the interview on the side of yeah. that. Um, it's a big a moment. Fun. It's for sure a big moment. It was the most watched pay-per-view in, in sports of the year. But, you know, I don't know. I'm tired of Conor, to be honest. I mean, he's yeah. great for the sport. But I, I didn't have any I didn't have any illusions about what that fight was gonna look like. Me neither, absolutely. But I just think, you know, that like that picture of Connor sitting up against the cage with his foot broken and just that that look of like dismay in his eyes is going to be um one that we're we're thinking about looking at for a long time. And it really makes you admire Connor as a promotional machine to just keep continuing to promote himself uh, after the fight. It was really impressive. But yeah, I mean and, I don't know. Uh, I have honorable mention Jake Paul's knockout of Tyron Woodley too. I think we're going to be remembering that for a long, long I'm time. Remembering that getting sick in my stomach for the rest of my life, for sure. All right, big one. I think, do you think we have the same pick here? I don't think so. Uh, okay, so I actually have. I think I might know what you have, but uh, I have a three rounder here. One of the, the craziest fights I've ever seen. You know, this guy, every time he comes to the octagon, you know something special is going to happen. Um, probably my favorite fighter in the promotion right now, Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler is my fight of the year. So I was I was in line with your pick for a long time. Uh, towards the end, though, I started thinking about it. Michael Chandler kind of danced around the octagon at the end of the fight when he got tired. Um, and it was really just a, it was a kickboxing match for most of the fight. There were some takedowns mixed in, and there was that giant leg pass. But, uh, you know, I wanted to go with a fight that truly showcased mixed martial arts. So I was stuck between two fights. And uh, Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez was a great fight. Uh, I loved watching it. Uh, But, you know, there was never really any doubt that Max was going to win that fight, right? Like, he was in control of the fight for most of the time. He wasn't really ever in danger. So my fight of the year 
And I honestly, a fight that we can look back on and talk about for a long time was Brian Ortega versus Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, I mean, that third round is just like so bonkers mm-hmm. that he got out of those subs, raining down punishment. I mean, I could watch that fight on repeat forever. It's like, you know, it showcases every aspect of his martial arts. It showed Hulk's toughness, his escape from submissions, his wrestling was on point. His hands were incredible. It showed Brian's resiliency. And uh, yeah, I mean, Henry Cejudo says this is the greatest MMA fight of all time. I won't go that far, but it's one we're going to be talking about for a long time, for sure. Okay, and now we got uh, our male fighter of the year, right? Or do you want to do female or male first? Let's go with female first, female fighter of the year. Female first, this is the obvious pick. I think if you didn't pick this this woman, you're wrong. Juliana Pena, uh, one of the greatest upsets in the history of the sport, and who is he clearly didn't pick. Okay. <laughs> I love Juliana and I love that uh, win, but you take into context what happened in that fight and how Amanda kind of just fell apart. Uh, I think if she does it again next year, there's no doubt in my mind that she'll win this award next year. Uh, but, you know, you take – like she had two fights. One fight was an amazing championship win. The other was a win over Sarah McMahon. Uh, Rose Namajunas was my pick for female fighter of the year. Uh, incredible knockout over Zhang Wei Li, who I thought was going to be a type of division forever. Like I, I didn't see anyone that could beat her. Her, her power, her tenacity. Even though I thought Zhang won the second fight, uh, Rose's resiliency and her toughness to get through those tough moments was just incredible. Mm-hmm. All um, right. Male no fighter here. Yeah, I have a feeling we probably have the same pick here. Yeah, there's only really one pick. Yeah, Charles Oliveira. Uh, I know you have Usman. You didn't go with Usman? No, I didn't. I have Charles Oliveira, oh, man. Uh, I know Usman has made a lot of great, uh, like, great leaps and bounds as far as his game this year. But, you know, he won that. He, it was last year. He, he could get last year. <laughs> I think Charles Oliveira is a more dynamic, exciting fighter this year and had a, a crazier year overall. And, yeah, I, mean, I picked him, Charles Oliveira. Yeah. Now, I picked Usman just because, like, of the way we saw him come up this year. Uh, rare to see a champ defend their title three times a year. Charles is my close second. I consider putting him in here. But, I mean, I just really feel like there's only one answer. I mean, Usman was, like, you know, he, he beat back the best in his division, became the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world. And uh, I really look forward to some potential matches for him down the road. And that's it. Those are our uh, of the year awards. Hopefully we'll still be kicking around and doing this thing next year. And we'll compare it back. But, uh, yeah, I think, I think you know, lots to come from these fighters. Looking forward to see how they go. All right. We got our uh, top five games of the week, two of them this week. Yep. Uh, you know, we're going to each, we each pick, a, or I picked two this week, top five topics to discuss. We're going to list our top fives. And, uh, yeah, you know, uh, I think some really, really interesting ones this week. But uh, do you want to start with the funny one or the serious one? Oh, we can start with the serious one, I guess. All right, yeah, I think that's a good idea. All right, you're five. Uh, you want me to go five or are we going to go one at a time? No, start start with your oh, number five. My number five pick, the card where we saw um, – one of the OG biggest pay-per-view attractions of all time who really had a lot of future uh, implications in the game, UFC 100 with uh, Brock Lesnar fighting on it. That was a yeah huge card for the UFC. I think it was like their first one to break a million buys, right? One of the first ones, yeah. So I had a pretty rigid structure for how this uh, top five list was going to go for me. And in my five spot uh, was going to be my card, who I picked as the, uh, the best of uh, 2021, considering 2021 was the best year of the UFC. So I went with UFC 267 as my number five pick. Okay. I already talked about it, uh, about the purest nature of that card, about how beautiful the martial arts was, 
And uh, yeah. All right. Your number four. Coming in number four for me, I have, you know, a fight. The fight, the main event is what I consider to be the uh, biggest fight of all time. You know, the most hyped up. We got Conor McGregor, the the biggest star in the history of the game, going off against Khabib in UFC 229. Yeah, uh, I actually didn't include 229 in my top five, even though it sold the most pay-per-views. Um, and this is because for me, that was really the only fight that held that card up. But, I mean, it was a great fight. Love to see it. But uh, it really seemed like that was the only fight that held that card in place. Uh, my number four, I actually went with your number five pick, UFC 100. Uh, really like a showcase of the sport's biggest stars. Uh, Brock, at the time, was, you know, a monster. No one could beat him. And, uh, yeah, so we, you know, we, we got to see uh, truly the, one of the UFC's biggest, biggest showcase shows. Uh, coming into my number three card, I have – um, something that really like I think jumped the UFC to like a new level at the time again with it being one of these Connor events where uh, he was the first person to ever hold two championships simultaneously we also had two other title fights on that card even with you know the Tyron Woodley fight being kind of a bust in a draw, in a draw. we also had Joanna and a crazy UL flying knee and so I have UFC 205 is my number three pick I actually agree with you there. That's my that's my number three pick, UFC 205. Okay, and coming in at number two for me, I have my favorite card of this year. I thought, you know, um, as, as just one of the most exciting dynamic cards of all time, every single fight in this, you never knew what was going to happen, UFC 261. Uh, my number two pick was UFC 249. It was the first card after uh, the pandemic. You saw the retirement of Henry Cejudo. Uh, you saw Francis Ngannou with that big knockout. Now I'm like forgetting off the top of my head of the main event of that car. Was probably been so. Justin Gaethje versus somebody. Yes, Justin Gaethje versus Tony Ferguson. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just like, you know, so many great performances on that card. And to really like show the UFC as the sports leader returning out of the COVID pandemic, I think it meant so much for the sport. And uh, yeah, I have a feeling our number one is. Uh, yeah, the same thing. Yeah. Uh, UFC won. The number one for me. Oh, it's happening there. Yeah. I mean, no, 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 no. Hear me out. Have you watched UFC one? It's like, what do you mean? It's like 90 minutes long. And (laughs) it's like, dude, that I've never had more fun watching a UFC than you have watching (laughs) UFC one. And, you know, it laid the the foundation for the MMA that we see today with the grappling. You didn't have my number one pick. Let me hear what your number one pick is then. UFC 178. Who is that? With Connor and Poye one and Yoel on the stool and all those crazy fights that you want me to read off that whole card that I, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, you really picked Demetrius Johnson fighting no name dude is the main right. event. Chris Cariasso, but this card was insane. Ken Zingano beat Amanda Nunes. Like here, I'm gonna read off the whole card just to show you guys how it's I'm looking at it as we speak. I'm gonna read off the whole card to show okay. the people on this card with. Wonder Boy on the prelims. Jorge Masvidal versus James Krause on the prelims. Dominic Cruz with his huge return over to Kevin Mizugaki on the prelims. Captain Gano giving Amanda Nunes her last loss in the modern era. Yoel Romero emerging as a star with the controversy of Stoolgate. Conor McGregor emerging as a star with his knockout of Dustin Poirier. And Cabo Sarni with those crazy leg kicks. Kevin Lee Lee on the early prelims also. Yeah, Kevin Lee on the early prelims. Manny Gamburian, who actually means a lot to the sport. Like, dude, this card is insane. I can't believe you didn't have it. It did not a lot of pay-per-view buys. I think it only did 280 or something. I stick by my picks. This card was nuts. I, I actually thought this was one of your favorites. 
All right. I mean, shoot. This is a great car. All right. Now we're we just have, coming in. Our we're we're going to have to we're going to have to do a poll that the people's pick because, like, honestly, okay. I, I can't believe you didn't pick this one. All right. I don't think a single one of our viewers has ever watched that event. By the way. All right. Top five most cringe moments in UFC history. I'll start with your number five. My number five is um essentially any time a Brazilian tries to speak English during a post-fight interview, they just always end up sounding like a 12-year-old girl. I don't know what it is about the way they say it. It's just their voices always come off as so high-pitched and it just makes me like, like, who is that guy? Like, that voice <laughs> does not match up with that man. Yeah, like Anderson Silva was a big example of that. Um, my number five was uh, like T. Ortiz is just whole deal. It's just like makes me like uncomfortable and like he's not very good to like promote it like he's good at, he was good at promoting back in the day but like nowadays he's trying to like i don't know i just don't like him like he makes me feel weird uncomfortable all right number four number four we got uh, i think something who, what that's on your list probably in some way or another not exactly sure the exact same thing that i'm talking about we got Diego Sanchez and his coach, uh, Joshua Fabia. There's this clip going around the internet where Diego Sanchez is hanging, <laughs> hanging by a chain from his feet, like going like this. And Joshua Fabia is just punching him over and over again. And apparently it's part of his training routine. Diego Sanchez is literally a human punching bag for his coach. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have that on my list. I probably should have. That's just like, I mean, that dude was just so strange. So I feel so bad for him, man. It's got to be. Yeah. Bad. And now he's fighting Kevin Lee at Eagle FC, and he's definitely going to lose. It's going to be like all of them. All right. Uh, for my number four pick, I had uh, Jason Mayhem Miller on the Ariel Hawani show threatening to beat up Ariel Hawani. Oh, and you saw Ariel's face. He's like, uh, he's like so scared. But he's like, you know, he kind of stood up and hit the ground. But yeah, that, that moment was just uncomfortable for everyone involved. And seeing how Mayhem, like, I don't, you ever hear about Mayhem's last MMA fight? Is in Japan. He missed weight by 27 pounds. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, ridiculous. Anyway, all right, on to your number three. On to my number three, I got one of the most famous quotes of the of the UFC's modern era. Yoel Romero, after his fight, starts screaming, <laughs> no for gay Jesus! No for gay Jesus! <laughs> and obviously everybody like knows that he was saying, don't forget Jesus, but it just sounded like he was saying no for gay Jesus. <laughs> it was so uncomfortable. That was yeah. Like, dude, like, hey, go ahead. You go after the language barriers, huh? Yeah. All right. Uh, my number three pick uh, was Dana White uh, giving a press release on Chris Cyborg and saying she looks like Vanderlei Silva with a wig. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, that's just so bad. It's so mean and so heartless, really. And Given the fact that he signed her less than six months later and like ran back all those comments, it makes me feel a little bit better about watching this sport. But like, dude, that's just, that's sick. You can't say that about someone. True. All right. You're number two. My number two, we got, I don't know, something that you probably have on your list too. Aljamain Sterling going on social media and flexing his belt and doing all these goofy ass dances after he had won the belt by DQ in a fight he was losing. It's just a bad look for him. And I'm such a big Aljamain Sterling fan that it just makes me be like, oh, I just wish she wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> oh, no, like, stop. Yeah. So my number two is actually your favorite event ever, <laughs> UFC 1. Uh, just like <laughs> the first fight in UFC 1 where a tooth was kicked into the announcer's lap. She looks at it and she's like, what is going on in here? What did I sign up for? 
so yeah just like that whole thing like like you ever watch that movie here comes the boom uh, with kevin james and boss rudin where they're mma oh, fighters and then there's like a chicken running around it's <laughs> yeah. kind of i guess from ufc one like, similar type five all right i feel like our number one moments have to be the same thing because it's not okay what's your number one moment uh, my number one pick it's a little bit of a controversial one. Uh, just anytime Henry Cejudo or Colby Covington say anything at all. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's that bad. It just is that bad. All right. My number one pick is really the true cringe moment. Every time you look at it, you cringe. Uh, Anderson Silva and Chris Weidman breaking their legs. Right? Yeah, just like every like you can't stop watching it, but you're just like, ugh. And I honestly think like it's a physical cringe. Like it's an actual draws a physical response. So yeah, I think that's uh, that's the biggest cringe moment in the history. Cringe moments in the history of our sport. All right, well, that's it for our little game. Uh, throw some polls later. See what you guys think about that. And we're gonna get into a little bit talk about the combat sports world outside of mixed martial arts. Uh, talking about college wrestling uh, and some boxing news this week. Uh, Spencer Lee of Iowa, uh, the current Hodge Trophy frontrunner, uh, one of the best wrestlers in NCAA history, actually. Uh, as announced he's done for the year and he's getting surgery to repair both of his ACLs. Uh, what do you make of this? Sad, man. I mean, I know he went through um, it all last year with the, and he sticked it out. But, you know, we were all really looking forward to seeing Spencer Lee be able to get that, that four titles that he – Well, he's, he's pursuing a medical redshirt. Hopefully he'll be able to get it. But, uh, so he could still yeah. – yeah, but, you know – he had that whole thing in high school where he couldn't get that fourth title and last match and hoping the best for him. I mean, he's one of the most exciting wrestlers I've ever seen the way he controls people from the top position with his tilts and, you know, his grips and all that is um, like nothing I've ever seen before for sure. So, yeah. And then we can talk about Penn state and their transfer pickups. They grabbed uh, Drew Hildebrand who took fourth from central Michigan last year to fill in at 125, possibly breaking the Soriano curse. But they haven't had any anything, any points at 125 since Nick Soriano transferred. Also, Brady Berge, who is now in the middle of his coaching stint at South Dakota State, announced he's coming out of retirement to return as Penn State's 157 founder. Uh, so they're really looking to make a push for the national title this year. Uh, what do you think about Penn State and their push to grab recruits? Do you think it gives them a chance? Um, yeah, I mean, you know how Kale is. He's one of the greatest coaches and greatest wrestlers in the history of the sport. And I think Penn State kind of always holds that position of in the mix, even yeah. with Iowa being so great. And, you know, you got teams like Michigan this year and whatnot. I think Penn State is just as in the mix as, you know, any of them. For sure. Except Iowa. Yeah. But. yeah. Well, Iowa's taking a huge hit without Spencer Lee. Although sure. Drake Ayala, who's looked really good, uh, had a top 10 win at Purdue this week. Uh, speaking of Purdue, we can talk about a pair of upsets. Purdue over Nebraska, Lehigh over Cornell. Uh, two big wins as duels. I know you probably didn't pay attention to too much of the individual matches, uh, but what do you think it says about the sport that, uh, especially Purdue, they're getting their first top 10 win in 20 years? Yeah, I mean, it's the sport is ever evolving, obviously. The Big Ten has always been a great, great conference in the sport, and I know Purdue has a really tough schedule, and – um, I'm happy to see, you know, one of those Midwestern teams being able to do so well. That's really yeah. – I don't know a ton about, you know, the individual matches or the story of it all, but anytime a Big Ten team does well, I'm happy. For sure. 
Uh, and then now I just want to talk. I want to address it briefly because this just pissed me off. Like, um, yeah, the whole flow wrestling event with the Michigan versus uh, Arizona State duel, where only four matches occurred uh, because all of Arizona State got COVID. Arizona State was wrestling with masks on. That. That's such bullshit. Yeah. I know it's That's like so such weird. a big disadvantage. Such a big disadvantage. Yeah, and then they they wrestled on a mat that was not folk style regulation. So, like, and Flow Wrestling put them on that mat that was not a folk style regulation mat. So now all of those results are being contested. I mean, just That's like Flow Wrestling, do better. Them, yeah, they took them go karting the night before, and this it's possibly being rumored to have spread the COVID. Oh my God. Yeah. And then also, you find out that uh, Arizona State, the four people who wrestled from Arizona State, they were uh, the reason why they wrestled was because of their, uh, their vaccination status. They're the only four that achieved possible vaccination status to be able to wrestle so i'll just leave that there i don't know if we have opinionated viewers about that but uh just wow man. <laughs> no, that's ridiculous I, oh my God. <laughs> all right and we're gonna What's talk going about, on down there in arizona <laughs> we're gonna talk a little bit about ryan garcia um ryan garcia hasn't boxed in over a year uh took some time off for his mental health apparently um and now is like trying to jump back into some of these boxing matches uh but he's being accused of taking too much time like to be a star and not really worried about boxing he's a young man he's my age uh, what do you think about ryan obviously he's a um, used social media as a great tool everybody knows who he is he's um you know done all these social media stunts like biggest tiktok stars the biggest youtube stars the biggest instagram stars but it really all comes down to boxing at the end of the day. You know, he is a great boxer. We all know that. And uh, he's got a fight, though. I mean, he just yeah, has to. He does have a fight. He has an absolute fight. All right. Uh, that's it for our Outside Combat Sports Talks of the Week. Uh, we're gonna I think we can talk a little bit about that, uh, the huge uh, grappling event that happened. Right. Yeah, week. you're right. It's not written down, but I did want to address Fury. Uh, what an awesome event put on by the yeah. UFC and by Fury Grappling. A ton of great UFC fighters. Um, so it's always so much fun to watch them compete in grappling matches, you know, where you would never see, like, some of the stuff that, like, with the matchups and the weight classes, you would never see some of these things happen in real life. And the main – or I'm not sure if it was the main event, but uh, Sean Brady came in there, even with, like, his um, – the this rule set that they had, which kind of took away Gary Tonin's uh, red butter. Craig hmm? Jones. Craig Jones. Sorry, not yeah, Craig Jones. <laughs> Sorry, you know, I get the I get the jujitsu guys mixed up sometimes. Yeah. Uh it took away his bread and butter with the, the heel hooks, but not only was Sean Brady the smaller man, he's also, you know, going up against one of the most compelling uh achieving jujitsu competitors of all time, and somehow he gets the win, which just says yeah. so much about his grappling skills. For sure. Uh Craig is uh Craig is, I believe, second or third pound for pound grappler in the world right now. Uh, he's a great competitor. He's awesome. And uh, Sean just stifled him, really. I mean, wasn't I mean, it wasn't the most entertaining match, but uh, very interesting. I really love from that card. I liked the watching Kevin Holland. That was so cool. <laughs> he's talking shit the whole time, getting slammed on his head. And, <laughs> yeah. Kevin Holland's a real jiu-jitsu black belt, I guess. Looked really good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now moving uh, into our fan questions. Yeah, we only had four this week. You guys got to do a little better. 
I think but, we have some uh, questions here, though. So we, we do. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start with uh, Jake and Tony Hirschtritt. Uh, with more BJJ gyms around the country have belt levels watered down, that is, does it take less to earn a promotion now? What do you say? It really all depends gym to gym, you know. You do yeah, some nowadays. You do some <laughs> nowadays. Well, because you've kind of been at one gym. Yeah, yeah. Gym, right, right. And you haven't really com- – you haven't competed a ton. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Out. I gotta go back out there. I don't, I don't think you have any right to be complaining, but uh, it, you also nowadays you have, like but... kind of these like these media stunts where you see like a Justin Bieber getting his blue belt or like a you know yeah that's a kind of celebrity <laughs> getting his blue belt and that for sure just strikes me as absolute bullshit. Because... Like Ashton Ashton Kutcher's a brown belt. Yeah, that's just strikes. I would me. submit Ashton Kutcher probably with one hand. I think <laughs> me too. <laughs> uh, and so yeah, I would say you know as time goes on. It definitely is being used as more like, oh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is so cool. I'm a black belt, you know? Yeah. People don't actually take it seriously and compete. For sure. So, yeah, I would say it definitely does take less to get a promotion out. But there are still obviously many gyms out there that, like the one, that our home gym in Chicago, where you really got to earn that shit. Like, you're yeah, not, definitely do. You're not getting definitely. anything for free. Nope. All right. Uh, next question. Uh, this is a great question, actually, something that I haven't thought a lot about recently, and I've been thinking a lot about now that I um, see this, but we're taking a look back at the Demetrius Johnson versus Ben Askren trade, which I found to be really interesting if you really take a look back at how the entire situation played out. Yeah, I think this is totally responsible for uh, Kamar Usman now, like for the success that he has. Uh, you, t- you talk about the, you know, the, the promotional vehicle that Askren was, like I've talked about how uh, basically Masvidal stole all that thunder when he knocked him out, and then some producing that incredible result. And Usman with the spectacular knockout against him. Now someone needs to knock Usman out, and he'll be the biggest star in the sport. But, uh, no. Uh, yeah, I honestly think that even though Askren won one and two in the UFC, I think that trade made ripples throughout the sport. And uh, very, very interesting. Yeah, very, very cool to see how it uh, helped the sport out. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think – if we're going to like look at who won this trade or whatever you think, I think the UFC honestly did a great job. I know in the typical sense, Ben Askren didn't end up, you know, being that the type of fighter that we thought he could be, where he could take that title and hold guys down and beat them. But Ben Askren was still used as a huge promotional star and media star sure. in the UFC. And he brought a lot of eyes to the sport for sure. Even in him getting knocked out in four seconds or whatever, that brought a ton of eyes to the sport. And I think the UFC ended up winning this trade, per se. For sure. Yeah. Um, Andrews Johnson, really. I mean, he's taken some losses since. Uh, yeah, he took one loss, Adriano Marais, by knee to the head. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think it was something that one championship needed. But, uh, yeah, now they're on TNT and they're, you know, they're doing their thing. So they'll keep dominating the Asian market for sure. All right. Should Cody Garbrandt retire? This is from Gabe Rubel. My simple answer is yes. Um, maybe not retire from the sport of MMA, but I don't think he really has a future in the UFC. Um, he's taken a bunch of bad losses in a row. Dana doesn't seem to do too well with him, and I think he can make a good name for himself in either Bellator, PFL, Eagle FC. He can definitely compete for the title in one of those promotions. And I think it's smarter for him and smarter for the UFC to let him go. Yeah. I don't think he would 
be the champ in Bellator. I think Sergio Pettis could beat him up. But I think he should retire. I don't think he will. I think the UFC is going to try to make some money off his name by feeding two younger guys. I've said previously, I'm an El Cop type guy. Uh, but, yeah, um, I think he should. Uh, I He'd have a lot of success in the PFL competing in their tournament, maybe like a million dollars, you know, whatever. You should probably win that tournament in the PFL. Uh, I don't think he'd be the champ in Bellator. Bellator, I don't see him beating Sergio Pettis. But, uh, yeah, at least it would be interesting probably. I don't know. Absolutely. All right. All right, last funny question from Dylan Cole. How many Hasbulas would it take to beat one John Jones? You know, I don't really like the way this question is worded. I think the more appropriate question is how many John Joneses would it take to beat one Hasbula? For sure. Because Hasbula is really the the best (laughs) fighter of all time. If you think about his accolades, he's an animal. (laughs) He's an animal. And I think maybe 15 John Joneses, 20 John Joneses. Yeah. I mean, have you seen the power? Have you seen the power in his hands? So much. I, I mean, he, he knocked DC out. DC couldn't compensate for the rest of that card. <laughs> I mean, he was woozy, like you said. Like, and it just wasn't because he was just drinking, you know. <laughs> okay. All right. We kid. Anyway, uh, moving on to our bets of the week, our last segment of the show. Uh, Charlie, I'll jump into you. Uh, you know, I'm not so good with this whole betting thing. I don't really take a great look at the prop bets normally, but I got. Giga to be Calvin Cater by just 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 that one unit. And I also got Brandon Royval by submission one unit. Okay. Yeah, those are good picks. Uh, the prop bets actually on DraftKings when I last checked hadn't been released in that regard, only the round bets. But I did some uh, round prop bets here. Um, I did Giga under 2.5 rounds, uh, which is unlikely, but possible. Uh, half a unit at plus 140. I think it's a value bet for sure. If you take into account Calvin's chin on how, how it could hold up after the Holloway fight, you never really know. Uh, and then I have this uh, this Chase Sherman versus Jay Collier fight. It's a, a it's favored to go the distance, which makes sense because they both are kind of boring. But you never know with heavyweights, right? Like big guys, someone could land some. I think Chase Sherman, he, he fought in BKFC, had a, a knockout there. Uh, he can get this done. So um, I picked Chase Sherman under 2.5 for half a unit. And then I, I just kind of laid my cards on the table and went uh, uh, full unit on Jennifer Maya by submission. Uh, big, big underdog pick here. At, I think it was a, a close-up around plus 325, plus 350. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I think that Jennifer Maya is on an upward trajectory and uh, be a big win for her. Absolutely. Yeah, so happy to be back. Happy to be back talking about, uh, you know, our favorite sport. Uh, I think my voice did actually pretty well throughout this podcast. That'll be good. Uh, We're going to try to keep going on Tuesdays from now on. So uh, keep expecting this in your life. Uh, We're here to stay, baby. We really are. We really are, man. Peace out, Have a good one. Have a good week, guys.